that's it. I'm walking away. I can't, no, I can't do this anymore. Why am I doing this? It's like a bad relationship. You know, I've, <laughs> you know, I, I love it, but I hate it. And, and, you know, I think when I look at, and then you've got to look at, okay, what is it that I have? I have a business. I have a job. I've created a job for myself. Mm-hmm. And that for me is enough. You know, I can pay myself a little bit. And then I've got other mums that I'm also paying and that I can support them in some way. Isn't that amazing? That feels it good. Is. And- it is amazing. It's wonderful. <laughs> This is the You Do You podcast, where we talk about healing, growing and thriving so that you can be free to do you. So welcome to the You Do You podcast. I'm Cheryl and today I'm chatting with Chai Tea Master, the lovely Fatima Kanbai, who's the founder of The Chai Room. And for anyone out there, who's thinking of a dramatic career change and kind of scared to take that plunge. Listening today may just be the inspiration you need to take your, to spread your wings and fly. So Fatima, welcome. It's so great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. And thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to talk to you. And likewise, likewise. (laughs) So before we start, I'd like to share a brief bio on Fatima and let's go. Born in London to East African parents with Indian heritage, Fatima remembers her childhood fondly. We held on to our culture through food and tea, she tells us. One of my most amazing memories is of our Sunday mornings. Every Sunday, we'd sit in front of the TV and watch the only Indian program that came on all week. Um, okay, we all sat there silently on the floor on our African tablecloth eating African pastries that her mum had made and drinking chai. It was a really special, enriching time. Fatima started with an illustrious career in fashion design. Living in London, she had a great job in fashion and travelled the world, working in New York Italy and Paris while following her passion. Doesn't that just sound amazing? (laughs) Um, Wow. When you put Uh, it like that, goodness, I think, is that me? (laughs) Who is that girl? I know. I know. It just sounds so romantic and adventurous. Um, So just at the time when Fatima felt she'd achieved all she wanted, she fell in love. So we have a plot twist here and follow that love story to Australia. Despite seeming to be a very similar culture, settling in Australia proved to be quite a challenge in many ways. And while she loved the journey, she hungered for a deeper purpose and meaning to life. So dreaming of her roots and the fond memories around the tea time traditions, she set out to share the chai experience with the wider community. So, Fatima, let's unpack this whirlwind adventure. And I wanted to start with those early memories. They just sound so wonderful. So can you tell us about the strong impressions that really helped shape your childhood and where you are today? Oh, it's um, definitely that kind of juxtaposition of cultures. I think it was the 
the enticing Western culture and the traditional Eastern culture and that clash. And often it was clashes. I think that that was really a big thing and I, and, and I didn't feel like I could have both. So I started creating, I guess, my own story and my own journey. But it was deeply rooted in that tradition of home. And, and I think the thing that really felt universal was the food and the, the spices and the education of my culture through the food that my mum prepared and her education to me of, of the spices that we used in the food and its heritage. And that really intrigued me. And, and it really felt like I could use that to cross over and bring together this other world that I thought I had. And I think that was something that was always with me, never really was as prominent as it is now. But I think that's what I used for my creative career. It was that love of my rich heritage and that excitement of being able to be in a free world and use that to fuel those ideas and those creative ideas. Uh, Yeah, I think that's kind of what has always been my story and trying not to use it as a a kind of, you know, um, um, conflict, but use it to grow. Yeah, it was um, just using that sort of tradition and the culture and then this really uh, exciting way of being able to express yourself creatively. And I think I learned from a, a young age that creativity was a way I could be really free and I could really express myself. And I, I really kind of fell full into that. And it was a passion. And I believed that that passion could become something that I could I could make into a life. It didn't have to be something that was on the side. And then I discovered art and fashion. And that was tricky for my parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know we talked about this before when we chatted on the phone for quite a while, um, just before Christmas, and you were talking about that, you know, the, uh, yeah, I guess that, that tension between the two worlds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something that's become um, surfaced a lot more since I've had children and I'm trying to grow my children up. And I think at the same time, I've had to grow myself up as well and reconcile with a few things internally about how I felt about things and and it's about expelling that shame and understanding that you can be expressive and not feel ashamed of being expressive and teaching that to my children I think I learned it in my own way but I I think I didn't really know how to teach that to them because I hadn't been taught it you know Mm. you know when you know something but then when you have to then pass it on in a way that's healthy Mm. That that's hard. Mm-hmm. Can you when you when you said you know overcoming like that that shame um, of being able to be expressive? Can you maybe just share a little bit about that? Oh my god, totally. Yeah, oh, it was everything from the superficial to the how to be vocal and how to express my opinions. So it was really from the way I dressed to the way mm. I spoke, and quite often I'd be you know going through London and you know being in a height of the creative industry and really want to express myself through my external appearance and sometimes I feel like I'd have to hide if I saw someone I knew from the from my you know from our community because I thought that I would be frowned upon and it was a a lot about the shame on your parents so I didn't want them to get back to my parents and then my parents had to talk to me and it was always about your reputation 
And it was, it was a stereotype as a stigma, but it was very real. Um, so I felt like I had to do a lot of things <laughs> in secret. Um, and I think also just with wanting to express myself verbally, I never felt like I was allowed to ask questions. So that was quite hard to try and ask the questions and have them answered and feel okay about the questions I had. It was, there was a lot of confusion and conflict internally, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I can totally relate to that as well, coming from an Indian culture and we migrated to Australia when I was eight. Mm. And it was it was very similar. So I can really relate to that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who can relate to uh, just not being comfortable in your own skin for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, with us it was the cultural uh, issue and being in you know in a in an environment where you've got these two different cultures and there's expectations on you um you know from your family culture but then it's wanting to also fit in to Mm -hmm. the community and the environment and that's a really incredibly difficult thing isn't it for a child to experience and manage so big it was yeah. so big and I, and I really don't think you understand that until you're an adult yourself mm. and as I say I think the biggest growing up was when when I had kids and you, you know having to kind of just tread that path all over again and 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 understand that person inside the little person inside and and what she went through I suppose and then just connecting back to what it was like for, for you yeah yeah I think so. I think yeah so, yeah. Um, so what led to the career in fashion design and share a little bit about that journey because I'm sure that's mm. you know it, we'd love to hear about that and and the highlights and some of the challenges some of the lessons that you learned during that period well you know I think I realized from a young age that I was really creative and I loved putting pen to paper and I loved seeing the world in a different way and expressing it in a different way and I just carried that through my career um I mean I did you know my GCSEs I did A levels and I did conventional A levels and I did well in my academic um sort of um, education as well but I, I really I knew that I really wanted to be creative and I wanted to go to art school so I was pretty headstrong <laughs> and uh, I think my parents did think that well you know we're not really going to be able to stop her so I just <laughs> continued down that path yeah. and I went to art school and you know I had a few dramas along the way because I really just tried to I was so hungry for just drinking up this whole creating a language for myself through this different medium of whatever it was whether it was painting or sculpture or it was like my hands were talking a lot of the time and I couldn't express it verbally. So it was just through this thing that I'd made and the journey that it came through. And it's like every piece I made was cathartic, you know. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you found um, your expression through that. And and I think then it kind of migrated towards fashion eventually. You know, I did a lot of fine art and sculpture and print and and you kind of go through this trajectory when you're um if you want to do design you have to do you have to go to the art school after you've done whatever your academics and then you apply to university and you train in a particular area and so I trained in textiles for my undergrad 
And towards that, we experimented in different medium and, and that was probably one of the best times of my life. I <laughs> loved it so much. Um, and it wasn't just learning about just how to make things. It was the philosophy behind it and the understanding of the predecessors and what kind of what paths they had tread. And I found that fascinating that, you know, I think in every industry, there are people that have been groundbreaking. And for me, I, I just really looked to those artists and designers that had created a different perception of the world um, and then I decided I wanted to pursue it and so I wanted to go to um, the Royal College at the time it was it's a, an art school in London that's uh, quite prestigious and some of the biggest artists that I really admired like David Hockney had, had gone there and I knew that uh, that's something somewhere I wanted to be so I really kind of How exciting. <laughs> it, was, it was so great I just yeah. didn't believe it. yeah yeah and you know I, I got there and I got in and I remember thinking I just looked at that sheet of paper and I just thought oh my god I've, I've, I've got in you know and I remember the interview process and all that build up up to it and all of this unfortunately you know it wasn't really with the scaffold of my family around me it was something that I thought I needed to do on my own or not needed I thought I didn't have the support and I guess I didn't really share it with my parents it was my friends and my peers and the interview my best friend came with me and I remember I had to go out and write a piece and she reminded me actually of what I'd written because I've seen her recently in the UK and I just it was so exciting mm. and then I got there and it was like wow you with these you with these other people that are all the cream of their their kind of crop you know and it was just great being in this environment it was so you felt like you were in the center of the universe of electrifying of creativity <laughs> it was phenomenal yeah bloody hard though really really soul destroying in some areas because it was you know it were it's such a subjective thing as well and you've got to really learn to build this thick skin around you but anyway um and in between that I had this wonderful opportunities I worked in Italy and I, um, I learned the language and I had um, created some collections for London Fashion Week and it was just these things were just kept happening and I was like wow this is it this is where I am and um, you know it was I was on a roll but I think during that time now I look back on it there was something missing and it was I guess that balance of feeling grounded by my tradition and I didn't feel like it was at that time in congruence with this exciting time I was going through so yeah it's a shame because you know I was kind of in and out of home I lived in London and then I came back home and I couldn't afford rent and you know that sort of thing <laughs> um but my parents they just stood there silently in the background letting me just do it and just go there and 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 I and all the time I thought that wall was a wall of of silence and dismay but it wasn't it really wasn't you know, I think they just wanted me to, to be happy and to grow. And I was actually quite, quite forward thinking for a lot of Indian parents of that generation. And my parents were actually a bit older and they really did straight come from the village because they didn't really grow up in London. They came when they were, you know, fairly adult and got married later in life as well. So, you know, their traditions were really strong and very deeply rooted in Indian and being Muslim and mm. yeah that was that was hard so yeah yeah and and you know I can really isn't it amazing because at the time you don't 
you're not thinking of all those things. You're not appreciative of what they're thinking and experiencing. Um, but in hindsight, you look back and you think, wow, just like you're saying, you know, what you thought, the silence, you took it to mean a particular thing, which it wasn't. And, yeah, um, yeah and then appreciating their background and where they've come from and uh, because it would have been just as challenging for them as it was for you navigating mm. that journey absolutely yeah yeah how, yeah. Scary. how scary for them to of see course. their daughter mm. who they never thought they never thought they'd have a daughter like me they really didn't think I would be. <laughs> and I think I was really out there even for my time and even I think yeah, I really did push the boundaries to such an extent where, you know I won't go into it or <laughs> at the moment <laughs> The things that I kind of, the challenges that they faced with me were quite tough. Um, And we got through it, you know, and I'm here and I don't know how I got here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll unpack how you got here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I think it's it's really um, wonderful to hear you sharing so candidly and openly about that because there'd be many people that can relate to that in different ways, to that type of experience that you went through. Um, So you had this amazing journey in fashion and it was incredible and challenging at the same time you come back home to London how long did you spend so how long was that period the fashion industry period so it was oh gosh from when I left college to probably oh god 20 years maybe 15 Mm -hmm. So it was well, a significant came, period, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I came, when I moved to Australia, I, I also, I did pick up fashion again. Well, not again, but as in like it continued until I had the, the kids. Um, it's funny though, when Liz and I got married, um, we'd, we was, we, we'd kind of had our uh, Muslim ceremony wedding, so we took that. As oh, hang on, hang on. Let's let's backtrack because okay. I, I want to, yeah, <laughs> I really want to find out about that. Um, yeah. So So you went back to... Um, to London and yeah. that's where you met your husband and yeah. uh, and so so you came to Australia so why Australia how did that yeah <laughs> so Muth moved to um, to London after he'd finished his training um, in Brisbane and he decided to want to come here and um, come to London and work and we met when he was over in the eight years that he was over and during that time I heard I just finished my degree and I was about to go to yeah I was about to go to Italy actually at that point and so I I um you know we kind of met briefly well yeah had this sort of little connection and then we kind of moved off did our own thing and um and then eventually, you know, it was kind of a long story, but we did, we decided that this was it. We, we realised we had a real connection and it was yeah. really surprising for me because he was Indian and he sort of ticked all the boxes for my parents and I thought, this can't be right. This is not <laughs> what I was meant to end up. I was meant to end up in some kind of overseas commune somewhere. I don't know. I just really yeah. imagined, did not imagine this life for myself. Yeah. And I had to keep asking myself that question, you know, why am I doing it for them? Am I doing it for me? is this right? Is this really going to work? Is he really? Um, but, you know, it kind of did. We got married. But then as soon as we got married, I had this job offer in New York. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Rose and I were totally on the same page about everything. And it was like, of course, you've got to go. You've got to go and do it. So I went over and his parents were absolutely horrified. <laughs> so he, he stayed in Australia? Well, you he stayed in, right, London. Okay. Oh, we in London. Oh, in London, sorry. Right. We were still in London at this yeah. point. And so I went over to New York and then we had these all these fantastic ideas that I would live there and work and support him. And he'd come over and he'd do an MBA. And it was all like, yeah, yeah, we can do this. And then it all came crashing down because he couldn't do that. And I couldn't stay there long term because <laughs> we're married. We were married. Um, and he had to finish his training. So he then applied for different positions. So he's a he's a doctor, he's a psychiatrist, um, and he had to finish off his consultancy. He'd done his first bit in Brisbane um, and he tried to get on a programme in London and it, it didn't happen for him. And so we thought, OK, well, why don't we try in Australia? We'll see how it goes. Um, and he did. And he got the position in Australia and I was still in New York and it was like, OK, well, I guess I've got to come back now, haven't I? Because I think you've we've got to do it different. We've got to do it differently, I suppose. Right. So I packed up and came home and you know then packed up London and <laughs> then we went off to us we came to here to Australia and you so, landed in Lismore is that where you started uh, out yeah god it was oh crazy Lismore it was just that journey from the airport and there's green everywhere and that's not what I was used to it was a lot of gray and <laughs> you know concrete it was macadamia trees and coffee trees and I didn't even know that coffee grew on trees or macadamias I don't think I've even heard of yeah, macadamia yeah these rolling valleys and I was like yeah this is great I love adventures we can do this totally I just took it on as another adventure I didn't really think or realize how big it was and then we got to these um these hospital digs we just stayed opposite the hospital where he was working and it was like yeah this is cute a little cabin type thing but you know I opened up the curtains and it was in these valleys and I thought wow all right Lismore's pretty cool and then I learned that it was a lovely community really alternative and just beautiful so I just kind of enjoyed it for a little bit and then I started getting a little bit antsy and a bit anxious that I needed to be doing something I couldn't leave my creativity or you know the career that I'd built up and worked so hard towards so I started applying for jobs and at the same time going to the library and getting books on pumpkins and understanding that pumpkins were a big thing here <laughs> started to make pumpkin scones I remember that was one of the first things I made were like pumpkin scones and just like realizing that fruit was so big here and it was yeah. just fresh and and it was not in packets <laughs> so kind of doing all these different things and then I got this job in in Sydney so then I was going back and forth working with collecting and and I uh, was kind of going there and living with the in-laws and then coming back at the weekends and it was all a bit strange. Um, but the, yeah, we had to do six months out there. So by the time that six months had finished, we were ready to come back to Sydney. But I actually wasn't ready. To, <laughs> I started to really fall in love with Lismore. Yeah, it's but, an amazing place. I actually used to live up near there as well. So ah, incredible. yeah, it's beautiful. And everything around it, Bangalore, yeah. and, you know, yeah, it's just very different to Sydney very different very different and yeah that alternative and lifestyle and just yeah just, mm, the, mm. just the really relaxed and open-minded and mm. you know it was lovely and then when we landed back in Sydney and um we had this little flat in Strathfield and it was in this kind of tower block and it was on the 11th floor and I was like yeah okay I'm used to this I know how this works but it was just a bit of a culture shock <laughs> again mm -hmm. um and then getting the tube to the train to work 
every day and then it was back into this thing of yeah just just working and I guess I didn't really have time to digest what was going on in my life. And then all of, and then we both decided actually to go to, um, you know, to Hajj, our pilgrimage. And, you know, we thought it was an important thing. An opportunity came up and I thought, well, you know, maybe we should kind of just do this and see how that goes. And then came back and actually discovered that I was pregnant and I was pregnant before that. But I must have done Hajj with Zara in my belly. And um, it was the strangest thing the strangest feeling I think now when I look back on it and I remember just going around it was so busy and so full-on and I, I just this, this steely determination that I felt inside me that I think has kind of carried through her in a way which is it's, it's a, yeah so that's another thing but anyway so we yeah. did that and I got back and things changed I, I was pregnant I still carried on work, working until I was quite full term um but I had a few complications so I had to finish a bit early but and then I had Zara and then my life just changed my life just changed it was no longer oh I could just pick up and do whatever I could right. just move around I can take on another adventure I just got this being so that girl. yeah yeah and so that um that experience working with Colette Dinnegan <laughs> would have been amazing as well but I'd imagine also as she was saying pretty full-on it was quite full-on yeah it was full-on because it's you know, with kind of high-end fashion, it's not like a nine-to-five. It's a lot of dem- quite demanding, a um, lot of deadlines, you know, and yeah, if they yeah. need to be finished, they need to be finished. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how long it takes. And, yeah. And, and um, you fell pregnant um, while you were still working in fashion design um, there or... Right. No, so then I was at Sportscraft after that. So I moved right, back to Sydney right. and then I worked at Sportscraft. So that's mm-hmm. when I fell pregnant. Um, and... You know, I was there for a, a short period of time and then I found out I was pregnant and then I kind of had to do that until she was born. And then I tried to go back to work after she was born. <laughs> that was tough. <laughs> that was because Muz was still completing his consultancy, he had just different things to do. So he was working on call, he was doing nights and and we only had the one car, <laughs> which is still a luxury, but, you know, it was getting the bus back and forth and we lived in Leichhardt. And... Um, trying to get to her to and we put her in um, in daycare and then she was just there the whole day and she would come back and it was dark and it was you, you know missing was, out on her growth on her. And, yeah yeah it felt very wrong and yeah. I quickly realized that I know that my when my instincts tell me something's wrong I have to go with it I cannot yeah. fight my instincts and so I said oh, okay I'm just I'm gonna have to just I can't do this I have to be there for her and I remember going to my mother's group and I remember I felt like I had to, it was this big announcement that I had to make. And I said, uh, yeah, I'm going to actually, I don't know how to say it, uh, stay at home mum. And everyone else had gone back to work. You know, they'd done their years maternity leave. They were back in shape. They looked amazing. And they were like, this is great. It's so freeing. You know, I can go and go to the printer and without having to worry about a baby in the background. Or, you know, it was just like, wow, everyone had gone back to work. And I thought, I am just such a disappointment. I'm such a failure to this kind of women can do it all empowerment movement. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to stay at home with her. <laughs> and I felt and so what? embarrassed. Isn't that amazing? You know, isn't that amazing to even feel like that and feel, you know, embarrassed when probably, you know, it's one of the highest, if not the highest calling to be able to raise and nurture a human being. And yeah, and good on you for 
taking that step when everything and everyone around you is doing something entirely different. But you were so in touch with that intuition and um, and you stayed true to yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess I was also fortunate that I could stay at home. Um, but I think that a lot of the people in my group were actually doing that because they really wanted to just get back to their previous lives. Right. And, you know, I think I did too, but then I realised that actually my previous life was a different life and now I have a different life. But mm. it was really, I, I questioned myself so much and I felt so lonely because I'd only really been in the country for, what was it, 2008, 2009 she was born. So really, I hadn't had a chance to establish a good relationship with anyone in particular. I didn't feel like I had my friends around me or anyone that knew me. So I felt so, so lonely. And I felt like I was so wrong and I felt like a failure. And I thought, oh, what am I doing? You know, and I don't even know how to be a mum. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to teach her things I know I should be talking to her for 45 minutes in the hour you know you start reading these books <laughs> yeah. and I'm not talking to her 45 yeah. minutes in the hour I mean she's gonna you know she won't be able to speak she won't have the words oh, no. oh, yeah this. yeah I mean they're all very real struggles that a new mom especially a first time mom goes through yeah 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 it was but I'm you know I think I'm also one of those people that seek help very quickly um and I just knew I was not coping. So it was anything from you know, the midwives or the Tresillian. And then eventually I just thought, I need more than this. I, I need someone to be there with me and just stand there beside me. Um, so I, I was looking through this career mail and I found, I don't know what I was looking under. And I just found this kind of benevolent society. And I thought, oh, that looks interesting, benevolent society. And it was, the description must have been enough for me to go, right, yeah, these are the people I need. <laughs> so yeah. I, um, I called them up and um, the Savoy at the time, I think she came around and had a chat with me and she kind of saw where I was at. And she said, yeah, I think I have a good fit for you, somebody who can come around and spend a bit, couple of hours with you. I didn't want anyone to do the housework or cook for me or, you know, I just wanted someone to be there. And then she sent Maureen, Maureen the angel, <laughs> she came around. And, uh, and so, right, so um, so was Maureen um, like an older woman with more experience or so they matched you up with someone who yeah yeah, yeah. And, and all voluntary you know she wasn't getting paid for it she mm. was giving up her own time to help mm. other people and people in you know, similar position and so she um she had children of her own two girls of her own and they were I think they were in high school at the time and you know that time when you were a new mum and you think wow she's got high schoolers like that seems like climbing Mount Everest I can't believe yes. got <laughs> 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 Um, it is like she, that, yeah. It is. And, yeah. and, and I know even now I look back and I can sort of see there's new mums there and they see you with a high schooler and a school age or school age children and they look at you like, goodness. I think, wow, I, I don't even remember that phase. And in fact, the other day when I was at soccer with this mum and she's um, just had a baby and she's still breastfeeding. I remember thinking, oh my God, really? I could never have done that, but I must have done. I must have. I do remember doing things like that. <laughs> oh. Well, the, the, the proof is in front of you now, like the kids are there. Yes, you did do that. Yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, but it's funny, isn't it? Like as you go through the different stages, um, it's so easy to to forget the experience. Yeah, you don't appreciate what you actually did or went through. Mm. But yeah, Maureen, Maureen was great. Mm. She was just helped me kind of just feel grounded. I think mm. it was just a couple of hours a week. She'd come around and she'd play with Zara. And in fact, no, I think it was Zara and Gus. I had both of them at the time. I think I'd I muddled through with her for a couple of years and then I had him. And then that's when I remember she came around. And then when they both came around, Gus was 10 months old and he was already like racing through the house. <laughs> And Zara took her time and I thought he would too, but it was, it was just a nightmare. And I remember that, that we had these big bifold doors and this bird had flown in just before they'd come in. And it was such a weird, surreal experience. I thought, that's weird. This bird has just come into the house. And then they were knocking at the door and then this bird flew out the house and then they did some, left some like bird poo on the table. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I thought, no, this is not me. This is not vomit. It's just this bird. <laughs> <laughs> what a and random just, thing to happen. Yeah. It was very, very yeah. uh, out of body experience. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. And isn't it amazing that, um, that there are organisations out there that provide that kind of service I wonder if I guess that would still be happening I am um, um, yeah well I, I know Maureen I don't know if she, if she does work with them anymore but I remember last time I saw her she did say that yes the boy is still there and they're still you know right. but it's not I guess unless you actively seek it out it's, right. I don't know because I do remember going to the um what are they called the the centers where you meet up initially in your mother's group yeah um, and I remember asking them, like, well, where do I get help? I, I'm, I'm not coping. Where can I get help? And they didn't have a clue, actually. Right. I, I can't even remember. They, I think it was just the traditional sort of Trisillian or da-da-da, if you've got something specific, but not for if you just don't quite know what you need. Mm. You know, it's. <laughs> I, I think there needs to be something for people who just don't quite know, but you know they need something. Mm-hmm. So where do you go? Where do those people go? And I mm. guess I was, I'm one of those people that just, always if I need something or I guess it's that kind of creativity in the research you want to get somewhere you've got to kind of do the groundwork and look for it and find it and then put it together and then make it happen Mm. that's just my personality but you know there are a lot of people out there that that do struggle silently they do Um, they do and this is a great conversation to have Fatima because um, I'm sure you know there could be people out there women out there that are in a similar position now and uh, it's inspiring for them to know, okay, well, if you don't know uh, how you can get to this type of support and you know you need something like that, to go, like you said, do the research. If, if the, you know, this, the, um, the baby and mum support groups don't know, then mm. you took that initiative to go and research and find something and you mm-hmm. you got an amazing outcome. You got this, you know, you called her your angel who mm-hmm. was there during such a critical period and made such a difference to how everything worked out for you. Yeah, she did. And mm-hmm. I must say credit to her. She also inspired me to start the chai room. Yes, I was reading about that. So tell us, and, you know, mm-hmm. I was thinking, um, I really wanted to find out about how this started and uh, and I read that she was someone who was drinking one of your homemade spice chais and said, you need to do something with this amazing brew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's exactly how it started. And it just, she handed me, you know, kind of 
very casually this piece of information about Sydney Community College and they do this 101 business course and you know you could try it out and it was <laughs> yeah it was a I don't know I'm not sure how would I do that how would I then go to night school when Muz is going to come back and what look after two of them and what am I I'm going to be knackered I can't possibly get on a train I haven't done that in like months years right yeah the best I had done was get on a bus you know and I you know I wasn't really doing tubes and around like it's all buses anyway and I thought well now I'm going to need to get into the city and what am I going to wear and who's going to be there um but a whole, a whole other set of challenges again <sighs> It was weird it was it was just walking down Pitt Street and then thinking oh, these people have been to work and now they're going home and they look so smart and I looked at my little tatty red dress I was wearing that you know I'd been wearing since Zara was before she was born okay um, so this wasn't this wasn't a Colette Dinnigan one <laughs> no it was like a, it was a vintage new town but it, oh it had there you go been, that's just yeah, as cool but just as cool but it was yeah. definitely vintage by that yeah point. yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah, I turned up and there were all these people that were looking to do a side hustle or office people that had come from their day jobs and wanted to, you know, experiment with something else. And for me, this was like life changing because I was going to start my career in this, this like night class. It's not going to be a side hustle. This was like me now. I'm the new me. And so I felt, felt a bit nervous and, and a bit intimidated and a little bit naive and Again, that shame was washing over me that, oh, God, I can't possibly admit that this is like all I do. What can I make up? What can I say that I do? No, no mums. No, no mums. They're all like, you know, professionals, young, beautiful singles. I was like, oh, God, I've got to make something up. And then I was like, oh, yeah, fashion designer, but I'm now deciding to transition. Forget the children bit. I'm not going to tell them, I'm, you know, we've got two babies at home. Hide that um, little bit of information oh, yeah. for the moment. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, and I remember, first of all, I called it, I called it pure chai. That's what it's going to be called, pure chai. And I was like, yeah, go hung. It's going to, that's what it's going to be. And it was going to be amazing. And I, I remember the first guy that was there, he was, he was actually Indian himself. And I just remember telling him my idea and he absolutely just poo-pooed it. And I got home and I was so upset. And I remember writing this really long note on my phone about this email I was going to send him, about how he just can't dash people's dreams just like that in one fell swoop and I was really I don't know I remember this and I kept that note for a long time and then I got rid of it because it was like you know feng shui but this, um, is, this is actually a really important part of your story isn't it because uh, yeah um, I don't there really are those, about this actually yeah, You're right yeah it is it is because there are always people who um you know who will come and be negative about whatever idea it is and some of them are well-meaning you know, some of them, you know, just like this guy, what, you know, he just gets his judgment out there. But then there could be family and friends who listen and go, well, you know, um, how realistic is this? Or, you know, chai, really? Why that? Oh, you know, yeah. especially when you're coming from fashion design. I mean, there's a whole host of, I think, you know, different issues that people can bring up. So, yeah. So yeah, having to deal with that is and and work through it, I think that that's something, you know, significant to, yeah, to bring out. Yeah, I, I did. I so ruminated over that. I really, mm. and, I, and I have been known to be one of those people that really kind of chew things over, you know, oh, over in my head and beat myself up and put myself, and I don't know how I managed to get through my career with this sort of personality that I have, had I've worked through it a lot I must admit um 
And you know, was, you know, I think a lot of us do that in different ways, Fatima. Yeah. And I really, um, yeah, yeah. And I just yeah. continually, continued this feeling of shame and failure mm. was hung over me for so long. And it was just debilitating. It was felt like it was it, like this crippling disease almost. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point, actually, I know it's slight digression, but I'll get back to the main story, but it got to a point where I felt so bad about myself that I just would stop myself from doing things. I think I've I had this pattern of behavior where then it would just like, you know, I don't know how I, I don't know how I got through what I did, but I always feel like I probably, you know, would have maybe had a, a, a different outcome if I had the confidence. And I think it comes from my roots and that shame. And until I was able to deal with that, I don't think I was able to live my full potential, but right. I am, have yeah. dealt with it. Yeah, but it was like, yeah, more, it, yeah. it was, you know, I came back from that from that session and I was annoyed and I spoke to Ms about it and Maureen you know she's always so grounding and never really said much but it was just enough that I felt that there was this confidence you know there was kind of people in my corner yeah kind of, you, know, you know pushing for me yeah. um and it was like okay well stock markets let's do that because I've got a proof of concept somehow and that's all I had in my mind I've got to prove that I can do this or people have got to like it and I think it's like people need to like it and I think it was a it was I was muddling that with people have to like me you know so something else I had to work through but yeah it was it was just it was starting at the markets and putting all that effort in I really don't know how we did those markets with the kids Musa would come home from work as I started doing the evening markets in Double Bay and I, then I, I would have packed the car throughout the day with this big gazebo with the tables with the chai pots with the milk with the you know everything mm. um you know you just did it and I was exhausted but I didn't know that I was exhausted do these markets but then you know once I was there and I was making chai and I was smelling it and it was like oh I, I felt like I'd just woken up you know it was great yeah yeah talking to people meeting people and hearing their stories and I realized that that's what I want to do I want to hear people's stories I want to relate to I want a connection and that's what I've always wanted as a connection I wanted to connect with my inner self connect with that this higher thing in life that is beyond just what we have at this level Mm. and I think that's what again it's like being creative I think you want to understand things and differently and I want to understand people I want to know what they think why they think and again it was just through the tea that I was able to Mm. have those conversations and And educating yeah yeah and this journey of stepping out and and uh and following something that you were passionate about that gave you that connection to your roots was mm. actually quite healing because as you're doing this journey, you're overcoming um, those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of shame. Is that how, um, you know, you mentioned before that struggle with that for, for you know, many, many years, which impacted a lot of different things along the way. But has this journey been a big part of overcoming that? Like as, you, as you've stepped out uh, to do something that you feel mm. in your heart you're, you're called to do? It has. It has. It's been like a third child, I suppose, because I feel like with every, with every, like the two children I've had, 
I, I liken it to being peeled back like a banana, you know, where you just remove those outer layers and you're just there and you're soft and you're vulnerable and you either kind of, you know, sink or swim. And I think that the business has done that for me. And also I had to be really mindful that the business didn't become this career that I needed to achieve something. And it always reminded me of being single and being so single-minded and driven and ambitious that it started to take on a, a little bit of a life of its own and it was almost like a plain devil's ad- advocate with me because I then started to focus everything on that and it, it was energizing me because it was independent of the family and independent of you know I felt like I was my person again I was me I was developing an identity and then it started to kind of into the family and it it had an impact initially because it was such a a manual thing you know the, the uh, process I should say because of the way that it, it I built it it was all about physical being present you know getting Muz to kind of roping him in to do all these weekends with me and away from the kids and again I started thinking oh my god I'm, I'm missing out on the kids I'm missing out on the kids I want this connection but the children is why I, I don't want it to impact on the children and it was a, a whole new journey of mm. understanding the balance because you think when you have your own business you're doing it because you're going to have this amazing lifestyle and there's going to be this yes. incredible balance but there wasn't and I just got really obsessed and again I started taking it to new heights but it was exhausting and I thought hang on I need to step back a bit again because this is not what I I really want of course I want it but then it gave me this incredible lesson Mm. of patience and being sustainable and how did you find how did you find a balance in that I mean well I guess there's always the challenge isn't it of finding balance but um mm. what was, so it was the turning point with that it almost felt felt like so vascular where it was just up and then down and then finding this plateau and I think I kept in my mind the priority of the well-being of mental health around my family and my children and being there and I was learning at that time is also about being in the moment and being present which was you know it was like 10 years ago and I started working with a therapist because I just again was curious as as to why I felt these things why 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 can I not feel normal and it was always this quest to feel normal um and then it was well what do I want and is this really what I want and why do I want it what am I trying to prove who am I trying to impress you know all these questions started coming up and it so I found the balance by being slow I I just grew it really really slowly I knew that what I needed for myself was an identity I needed something of my own and I needed to be creative and that was ticking all the boxes luckily you know I guess I didn't have to depend on it for you know, financial survival, but along with Ms. being more secure, there were a lot of sacrifices where he wasn't around for a lot of the time. And it was just me and the kids. And because he wasn't around, I couldn't just spend all my time on the business. They were still little. You know, Gasson was one and a half and Zara was three when I started the markets. And and he wasn't, and Ms. was working away like a few days a week. So I just thought I've got to be patient. I can't, I've got to do what I can do and I've got to manage what I can manage. It was really teaching myself that not just saying it Mm. um and it's taking me what where am I now eighth year 
and I'm not as big as I probably could have been if I was not a mum. I've got to accept that I started the business when I became a mother. It wasn't there before. And there was a reason I started the business. And the, the reason is the children were also within that reason. And I still struggle sometimes, but I'm okay with it. You know, I'm not making a million dollars. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy now that I know what the objectives of the business are. And you've grown and, it in a way that you're comfortable with. It's like you said, you decided to step back and slow down, right? Mm. And it could have been a completely different scenario if you had have kept going at the pace you were. But, mm. um, you know, getting in touch with, as you said, being mindful, being in the present and, and coming back to what what were the reasons you originally wanted to do this for? Mm. And it was about the family. It was about being there for the kids. It was about having that expression for yourself, that creative expression, um, all of those reasons. And being comfortable with stepping back and going, okay, no, this is how I'm going to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I probably was going against the grain a little bit. You know, at that time, chai was becoming really popular and there were these all these other chai companies that started realise were popping up left, right and centre. And I thought, oh my God, they're doing so much better than me. And I've only been and we've been doing it for the same amount of time. Or, oh, my God, they've just started. And look how many stores they're in and look at like how much how many followers they have. And uh, there I am I'm still at the markets or I'm still like struggling to get a sale. You know, I'm still bloody blah, blah. And then I kept thinking, OK, no, it's it's gonna happen my time will come and it's not about the numbers it's about the connection of course it is about the numbers and I've always been conscious about the numbers and I was also conscious that I didn't want to eat into the family funds so I tried to grow a business where it was paying for itself from the very beginning uh, you know I did have to take a little bit of money say for help with the market stall and I'll try and make it back with the sale of chai but you know you have to sell a lot of cups of chai to pay for a market stall and the rest of it but then it started to kind of work you know I it was starting to pay for itself when I was always true to myself. And I think that's, again, going back to my younger days, my instincts and understanding that when you have a true intention and you really believe in it and you're really passionate and it's not hurting anyone, it works. You can. Mm. And I, I've had this conversation with Moose because he's from a bit of a different school of thought. And I remember once we went for dinner and, and uh, we were having this argument about the passion and how your passion cannot be you can, cannot sustain you you cannot build a financial stability on a passion and that was our I was like yeah, of course you can I, I can't believe you're saying that that's been my whole life you know and I will do it and it may not be in the perfect way it may not be ideal we may have to struggle but of course um yeah, there's so much yeah. more I can say around that. But yeah, you know, I, I, I love this and I love your, um, you know, being so candid about this and sharing it in this way, because this is these are very real struggles that people have when they go through this journey. And the things that you're sharing are so important for people to hear because these are the very things people don't talk about. They're not comfortable about talking about that. You know, just some of the different things you brought up. I, I really, um, I really love how you're sharing so openly. I think, again, it's so important to hear this. And, you know, even hearing when you were talking just a little while ago about 
uh, how you decided to grow it more slowly. And then you see these competitors out there and you see they're growing so fast and they're getting all these things out there. And that gremlin of comparison mm. can really eat away oh my at God. people. It is a nightmare and it, it's yeah. always there, always yeah, there. Yeah. And I think over time you, you learn how to sort of talk it away mm. and really bring your 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 inner self to the mm. fore and that 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 kind of intention I guess and the understanding and the patience it's so hard to be patient mm. when you and and I couldn't physically do a lot of the things that I felt my competitors could because I was I had this stuff around my my center of the universe was not me um it was the family and the kids and I think it was more I was more conscious because I didn't have my own family here and um and I think also I because I I love like looking at something and seeing it for what it is I would watch them and all of a sudden it was just I was transported it was just amazing that these moments that I was having with them and I I knew that they were precious that we'd be in the park and she'd be twirling around in a little tutu and singing at the top of her voice and Gasson would be pretend, pretending to be a pirate. You know, it was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I could go home and do a little bit of chai work. And it thought, I thought, I'm the luckiest person in the world. I mean, it doesn't always feel like that, but it's like, yeah, I, I can. And that was another thing that I think got me through was just those little moments that I knew were really special and appreciating them. And not right. taking them for granted and knowing that even if it was small, it was still big. Yeah, yeah. And, you you know, you counted that cost, Fatima, as well. I think, um, you know, people um, can often uh, have, you know, the stars in their eyes about wanting to do something like this. And, uh, and then, you know, that struggle of, okay, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the reality of going out and working and earning a great income and having, you know, everything that goes with that, that, you know, the status or whatever it is. Um, and then looking at the family uh, and making that decision can be difficult, but you actually really weighed all of that up. And it was a conscious decision you made to say, okay, I'm going to go take this path and and, and be comfortable with the sacrifices that went with it because it's not like, oh, now I'm doing my passion and, you know, of course all of that's great, but there were sacrifices um, in themselves that came along with taking that path. And, mm. yeah, and I love how you describe the, the approach that you took. Yeah, I mean, it didn't come without tears mm. and self-doubt. Um, and you know, there were so many times, and so even now, I think that's it. I'm walking away. I can't, no, I can't do this anymore. Why am I doing this? It's like a bad relationship, you know. I've, <laughs> you know, I, I love it, but I hate it. And and you know, I think when I look at, and then you've got to look at, okay, what is it that I have? I have a business. I have a job. I've created a job for myself, mm. and that for me is enough. You know, I can mm. pay myself a little bit, and then I've got other mums that I'm also paying, and that I can support them in some way. Isn't that amazing? That feels it good. Is. It is amazing. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. And yeah. you know, I've, I've met so many amazing people along the way. Other women, other mums, other entrepreneurs. 
you know, even like other artists who have, you know, chai can get in anywhere. It's like this kind of mercury that sort of seeps through the cracks and it mm. ends up somewhere. And you just, mm. these people I've never thought I would meet. And I've been able to speak at, I guess, a couple of events and do workshops. And, you know, and sometimes I have to stop and think, oh, people are here because they actually like the chai. And, you know, I've got to stop myself and, you know, oh, I like my chai. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah yeah it's something that you created from scratch yeah so actually speaking of that I was reading about how your mum would grind the spices so you know right from scratch from grinding the spices and putting all of that together and that's something that you learned and that you've been able to incorporate in the business that you've got now which is really you know I think I incorporated it through life actually Mm -hmm. and even through my fashion career because um for me it was the understanding of raw ingredients right and even through being creative, those raw ingredients, how you appreciate them all for what they are and then what they can do together. And for me, that's my spice story. I believe that that unification of, you know, you're kind of going to get on my little pedestal, not, you know, stall here and say those, those spices represent the difference in everyone. Mm. And when they come together, they create this unity mm. and the connection which can bring people together. Mm-hmm. and that's that's really where I think that is drives me knowing that that Australian native blend and that Indian clove can come together and they're so different but they work well together mm. and that's I guess what I try and teach my children and myself you know mm. there are differences that work yeah yeah I, yeah yeah look that's you know it's so inspiring listening to this and I can almost smell those spices now. I'm actually thinking I've got to get, I've got to get some of this and, you know, and try it. But, um, yeah, but talking about uh, how you learnt about the raw ingredients coming together and taking that creative approach, I can just see how you, yeah, you definitely have applied that all through your life, through, you know, your career and fashion and uh, and even you know raising your children how you're approaching that how you're looking at them um to the business now that you're doing with with the chai and as you said I love I love the reality checks as well because when you're working in business for yourself you're wanting of course you're wanting to um you're wanting other people to see, yes, you know, you've done mm-hmm. it, right? Especially your family, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I've made it. And um, but the reality is that there are still different ongoing challenges. And like you were saying, they would there are some days now where you go, why am I doing this? You know, this is it's still not easy. There are still mm-hmm. challenges, but yeah. coming back to, yeah, to to that and and being okay about being real about it. And being okay with it's not perfect even now. Um, being okay with uh, the journey and being okay, most importantly, with you, mm, with yeah, yourself. I think so. I mean, that's where it all starts and stops, right? Um, Absolutely. So if you're not going to be okay with your own machine and mm. you're not going to 
keep it maintained from top to bottom, inside out, mm. then what value mm. are you to anyone mm. Mm. and to yourself and to the world? You know, it's it just yeah. it's simple for me. It seems really simple. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, when I, you, oh, sorry, go on. No, I guess I was just thinking about um, you, you spoke of something and it, it kind of triggered that idea of um, not being perfect and expectations and interestingly enough, my parents have—they <laughs> love my child. <laughs> they love the child. They love. My dad has his own business, and he started it out from nothing. He's an accountant, and he's you know helps kind of uh, small businesses. Um, and so, yeah, I guess when they came over a few times, and they saw me at the markets, and then they saw how I did things and it it really I and my dad you know he never told me he was proud of me but it was only in the last year or so I think I've heard that Mm. (laughs) and um yeah he's 87 now and you know I'm in my 40s so it took him a long time yeah but it's funny how it's actually brought my relationship with them full circle too yeah yeah and it's like he was saying you know he he grew up in a different era and he grew up under different circumstances and it's not so much that he doesn't feel those things but Mm -hmm. um you know again it's being able to voice that which is in your heart and I think it's not easy for some people particularly I think you know people in that era because Uh, It was an era where you were stoic, you kept things to yourself. And I guess, um, you know, that's just how he was probably raised as well. But it doesn't mean that he's not incredibly proud of what you're doing and happy Mm. to see you happy and enjoying what you're doing as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so wow you know what a journey what a journey and um I've loved hearing all the I've especially loved hearing your heart through all of this and the struggles and what you did to be able to navigate different parts of the journey as well this is so important for people to hear um, and you've talked about parts that people aren't comfortable to talk about. You know, people often don't want to share those difficult parts and the, you know, the ugly parts and the challenging parts so easily. But I really appreciate the way that you've been so open about that. Um, and I wanted to, to say, you know, what are the things that you Um, Well, I wanted to ask, what are the things that you enjoy most about your business? Mm, I think it's, um, I really think it's the fact that some, you know, my customers are just, they really enjoy it. They love, they feel good when they drink it. That, you know, I think I get, I have some, I have a really good relationship with my customers and I know, I know a lot of them and they come back a lot <laughs> and um I you know sometimes I'll just get an email from someone saying oh you know this is the highlight of our day and during lockdown one of my customers come back and said you know my son and I we have this at 11 o'clock as our little break or you know there's someone else that is this is just like my nighttime thing or and I, it just makes me really happy because it reminds me of being at the markets and I miss that I miss hearing people like seeing their reaction when they drink it or 
what it reminds them of or takes them back somewhere. I think it's just that connection. Mm. That for me, that is the biggest thing because it just leads out to so many other things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what would you say, so what would you say to um, other people out there who are thinking about their career and what they're doing and wanting to do something but, you know, really uh, scared whether they're, whether they're scared of, you know, taking the plunge or whether they're scared of, uh, you know, other people's opinions or um, whatever it is, like what would you say to someone who's in a position now where uh, they're at a crossroads? Mm. Oh, it's, you know, it's so easy to kind of stand there and say, you've got to do it, you've got to take the plunge, you've just mm. got to take the risk. Um, and I, that's not how I would approach it. I would say you just take your time, listen to your heart, listen to your instinct, look after yourself. And when you feel good about you, then you can give it out for, for whatever you want to do. And I think um, when I started, I was feeling good because I had Maureen who believed in me um, and I was starting to get help, you know, elsewhere and, you know, seeing a therapist and, it was just building that confidence and I think you know enjoy do the things you enjoy because that's often where your journey may lie I think Mm. Um, I mean maybe that's just me because I've just come from that sort of way of thinking and the way I've always done things and I'm a true believer in that when you enjoy something and it feels good and you feel like you're doing good Mm. you start with that start slow start easy be open, be open to the world, I think. I Look think to the universe. <laughs> yeah, I think that's such wise and helpful advice because you can then put pressure on yourself. You know, it's like you're saying, you know, often yeah, people will say, go off. for it, go for it. And, and it's good. It's good to, you know, to be able to go for it. But, but it's true. The individual has to be at that place in themselves where, you know, they're comfortable with it. They have an inner peace about it mm. to make that decision. And, yeah, you've got to look at the reasons as why you're doing mm. it. It's not, yeah, sometimes you can start off with the wrong reason, but maybe, you know, it could be a good way to start. But, you know, I think things are, things are different now. You can do things very easily. You can start an Instagram account. You can start taking pictures. You can, But if you're not in that space where you can accept whatever comes your way, whether it's rejection or not enough likes in a day, then it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to carry on and feel the motivation to carry on. Mm. You know, things can happen slowly in a fast world. And I think there is obviously this movement of slowness going around. So just ride with it. Enjoy it. And, um, yeah, take the pressure off and um, get a sketchbook. (laughs) I love sketchbooks. (laughs) That's a great idea. Yeah, and write one thing. You know, somebody told me this, actually, and I don't do it often enough, but she said, um, just write one thing down a day you're grateful for and I don't you know maybe it's not always what I'm grateful for but one sentence a day I think it can help and I do like writing but I find it hard because I find that I have to dig really deep because when I write I feel like it has to be really passionate (laughs) but again it's that pressure isn't it yes it doesn't have to be it can be just anything and I think um yeah I think that journaling is uh is a really fantastic thing to do um, yeah, and, and especially just for even keeping in touch with yourself. 
Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Well, look, it's just been so fascinating and I really enjoyed chatting with you today. Um, There are so many nuggets that you've shared, which I think will um, bless so many people that are are listening. And I wanted to um, say, where can people find you? Now, unfortunately, I don't think you're shipping worldwide, are you? Just yet. Uh, Not at the moment. No, (laughs) hopefully we'll be at some point. The website's kind of doing its thing that it's supposed to do but um online and yeah. uh we sell in a variety of stores um mainly sort of independent grocers but online is probably the easiest thing and if you want to know where where we stop then just shoot us an email and, and we'll let you know okay and how can they so um can you just let people know what your website is your oh, instagram yeah. handle as well yeah yeah <laughs> i know i should do that i should do more marketing shouldn't i really? that's <laughs> You've got, to, you've got to push yourself a little bit too. You've you got to, do, you do. Know, you do. And that's one that's thing I don't right. do well enough. That's right. Um, and if you can't do it, get someone else to do it for you. Yes. <laughs> um, so the website is thechairoom.com and mm-hmm. the email address is info at thechairoom.com. So if you can Wonderful. find us. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's fantastic. I'm sure there are people that are going to want to um reach out get in touch and also try some of your delicious teas so thank you so much Fatima it's been a pleasure chatting with you today and I'm looking forward to staying in touch and seeing how the journey unfolds thank you so much it's been a privilege it really has in fact I've probably shared things with you that I haven't before and it's (laughs) it's been quite cathartic and I've you know I guess I've forgotten what my journey was because you just get so caught up in in the day so thank you thank you for giving me the opportunity oh it's been wonderful I'm you know I've as I said I've really enjoyed listening and I'm sure other people have as well and let's stay in touch and catch up over a chai yeah that'd be great thank you thanks Fatima Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, we loved having your company. Remember to subscribe and let's catch up again next week.